you've it you know when I think at about the records there's this certain element of encapsulating the complication of modern time a bit of, yeah I mean because one of the things I think about too often is how you know history used to be something that like if you passed down from your folks or your grandparents and you'd, you'd live with it as a memory as something that wasn't personally experienced but with everything now being so readily available we're, we're sort of living in a constant state of of it all always around us all the time yep no the the yeah the the you know kind of choosing the kind of 808 909 the very very typical omnipresent um you know electronic drum sounds the the typical drum machines that you're gonna hear um and uh you hear that now on on music like in the grocery store or like when you're walking through the mall you know if it's you know if it sounds like a synthetic drum it's, it's very likely going to be an 808 a rolling 808 um and you know it's also very you know the 808 was um and that that drum sound that very compressed snare sound in particular was was very prominent in early hip-hop um very very important in um the evolution of house music and rave um so i wanted to incorporate those sounds to be my musical backbone if you will to kind of signal the contemporary that we're dealing with contemporary times so it's a it's a it's a temporal signifier as well as a, a thematic and cultural signifier and you know, also one that's not necessarily associated with, you know, necessarily dark or, 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 or funereal musics. So it's, yeah, it's something that you can explore the subject matter that perhaps the music evokes for you, but you're doing so in a very contemporary way and, you know, in a very here and now focus. And also you can dance to it. I hope, or at least bob your head up and down. When I go to the weight wheel. <laughs> You know, commercial contemporary Japanese culture is very beholden to the American aesthetic. There, you know, I had a friend who just got back who lives part of the time, part of his um, part of his job is over in Tokyo, and, and occasionally he comes back uh, here to the states, and, and I, I get to talk to him, and he's like, "Yeah, and, you know, I'm talking to him about, you know, I really want to go into a kind of this um, kind of use a musical template that is." Um, very evocative of, of contemporary uh, electronic music. He's like, that's everywhere in Tokyo. You can't go into a store 
without, you know, hearing kind of this mid-tempo electronic drum-based music. And similarly, you can't go into a shopping mall in America now without it. Like, it is part of our shared commercial and artistic culture. The last time I was in Berlin, it was there. The last time I was in London, it was there. The last time I was at the gas station, it was there, you know, right up the street. Um, uh, you know, friends from, from Tokyo, friends in China, friends in, you know, uh, Canada, Mexico. It's everywhere. It's, it's ubiquitous, and it's, it's part of the culture, uh, part of the aesthetic and artistic culture that we share. Um, I deliberately picked... And, and felt resonance with these things that exist in contemporary Japan that are fringe, that are fringe elements, and incorporated them primarily because they fit the stories that I wanted to tell. And so it was an authorial choice and, a, and an art, art artistic compositional choice, but also because I felt that those... Um, those elements that have that are considered fringe um, uh, are are also universal, and, and putting them in a context with this music and this this aesthetic that's that's universal and that's international and cosmopolitan, um, uh, I think gives some attention to that. Um, you know, because, you know, things like suicide, social isolation, um, uh, and uh, violence um, are just as internationally and, 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 and across cultures as anything else. Um, what was interesting to me is that, um, as I said before, the the Japanese have named these things. And I think there's part of the Western European, um, uh, and particularly American, uh, psyche that doesn't want to... If we don't name something, we don't have to talk about it, and if we don't have to talk about it, we can pretend it doesn't exist. You know. Um, did that, did that and, um, have any impact into the choice to have all your track names on each album just numbers i i'm terrible at naming things okay um and if i quickly got to a point when sequencing the first record each record has been really difficult to sequence because i wanted to choose a sequence that you didn't necessarily have to stick with Mm -hmm. Uh, getting back to what I was saying about kind of putting that choose-your-own-adventure aspect in, back into the hands of the listener. Um, these aren't concept records, even though they're heavily conceptual. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can start with three, and you can go three, one, two, five, four, uh, if you felt like it. Um, and so because that sequence was so hard to come up with the, to... Uh, try to avoid being overly narrative by the time I finished sequencing the record the last thing I wanted to do was try to name tracks
If you have a name for a track and you're and you're writing and composing in this way, it's very hard not to fall onto narrative conceits and choose names that might seem to occur either before or after the other name that you chose. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's yeah, that's that's why I, I just said this is my one, two, three, four, five. Come up with yours. Well, and, and the, and, the and other and thought I wondered was if it fed back um, to be more like chapter headings to your original origin point of thinking about these like stories, that it was like chapter one, no. two, three, four, five. But no, no, they. I, I by the time I mean the only story that I really had, um, I would call it a very heavily annotated outline that, like I said, I was just beating my head up against a brick wall, trying to write, trying to turn into prose, um, was the first one. I had sketches and very non-annotated outlines, very skeletal outlines, uh, for uh, what became Hikiko Mori and, and Funihiri. Um, so I didn't really have a lot to go on there, and so I just, I literally crumpled those pieces of paper up and threw them away. Um, because they didn't, it, it, it didn't, by the time I was immersed in the music and getting the samples and, and, and trying to bring these stories to life in a musical idiom, uh, the story stuff just didn't make sense anymore. I know them in my head. Yeah. And they, they exist for me. Um, and they might, I might write about them. I think I am going to write about them.